Welcome to episode three of The Only Way Out is Through, where we explore everyday decision-making through personal stories of how people like you and me face our biggest challenges. I'm your host, Karen Purse. Thank you for joining us. Today I'm here with DeRondel Beverly, founder and managing director of Ruby Rose Strategies. He's been in business for over two years, and I know he didn't take the decision to start his own business lightly. So today, we're going to talk about how he made his most recent career decision and started a strategic communications firm after years as a professional consultant and advisor. So, Durandal, thanks for coming in today. Thank you for having me. Let's jump right in. Okay. Can you set the stage here? What were you doing about three years ago, and what made you think it was time for a change? Three years ago, I was uh, working in a public affairs firm continuing my career as a communications consultant and planning a wedding. Just a few things going on. Just a few things going on. And uh, there was a health issue with a parent kind of thrown in there and all of the other things that life throws at you when you're approaching your mid-30s. So so when I look at the the time now, three years ago, it it was really interesting. When you're getting ready to get married and there's a health issue in the family and you've got a lot going on, a lot of people don't think yeah, let's start a business. Yeah. Was it an obvious next step for you? Or what, what made you kind of think, I need to also change this? I think part of it is I've always had entrepreneurial bones. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I think for me, at the time, from a communication standpoint, there was, I, I felt like I learned what I needed to learn and the environment that I was in. I was working with great people doing very challenging stuff, but it was, I was living to work. And I just, I think the lens of preparing for um, marriage helped me really think about the type of person that I wanted to be for my now wife and, you know, for blessed to have a family and, um, you know, really looking at my life on like a longer horizon, right? Instead of looking at it from a very short period of time thinking, okay, well, what do I want to, who do I want to be at 40? I was forced or really not forced, but really thought about for the first time, who do I want to be at 65? Who do I want to be at 70? And like, what steps do I need to take in my life to get to that point? So I think the kind of trial by fire was good because it forced me to have some um, internal conversations that were probably 10 years too late but also have some conversations with my wife and, yeah. and figure out you know what type of people do we want to be and I think being able to take that more marathon approach and view of my life mm-hmm. instead of looking at it as a series of sprints really just kind of planted the seed and took off from there. Nice. I, I like this idea of, of transition points in life really do, I think, force that longer perspective. So was this a difficult decision for you? I mean, you had, obviously, you were gainfully employed and you were thinking about jumping into a, a possibly uncertain situation as an entrepreneur. What was that? Talk me through that decision process. Was it, I know it wasn't an easy decision because I remember talking about it with you more than once right. along mm-hmm. the way, but um, talk me through the decision-making process. What were some of the things you considered? What made it hard or easy to, to make that choice? So I think the the thing for me that has remained at the forefront of my mind when I think about this and anything else that I do, an old history teacher, St. Anne's, Frank Strezzo, um, he was one of my earliest mentors and he told me he's one day, he was a big man, he was like 6'6", six, six, 
260, like carved out of granite. His diet consisted of black coffee and cigarettes. Like that's just <laughs> the only thing I ever saw him consume. Old school. Old school, yeah, old school, right? <laughs> old school diet. Yeah. And so one day he said to me, he said, Beverly, you know, whatever you do, you're going to be successful at it. You just need to find a need and fill it. He said, whatever you do, whatever path you decide to take, at the time I wanted to uh, run for political office. He said, just you find a need, you fill it, you'll always be successful. I have no doubts about, about that at all with you. And so in, in my head, I've always felt like I could do something. And I always felt confident enough that I was well prepared to, if it didn't work out, that I would be able to make something work. Right? And so for me, the biggest issue was stepping into a marriage. And you know, my wife and I, we had been together for a while, but you know, you're stepping into a marriage and all that comes along with that. Find a need and fill it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then figuring out, okay, is it a hobby? Is it uh, just a little bit of freelancing here or there? Are we going to really like... Is this like, the thing? Is this the thing, right? right? And I think I had built up enough of a one confidence in my skill set which is mm -hmm. i think the most important thing if you don't feel like you're good at it then mm -hmm. there's really no point you can't convince anyone else you're good at it right and then i think that i also have a very strong um, personal and professional network that i could go to to help with a variety of things and i think that and plus i think the most important thing was i have an incredible wife who was who was and is incredibly supportive and i think for any entrepreneur or anyone who's going through a, a pivot point from a decision making standpoint having a spouse or a significant other that is right there with you and, and or a mentor someone someone, someone to support yeah, you yeah. someone who can support you and really you know is is going to hold you accountable um, you know, for, for life, I think it's a liberating thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, for her, she also has a marathon approach. Like she knows that this and building a business and all that comes along with that, it's definitely not easy, but, um, she is looking at the long term, and, uh, and it's worked out well so far. Do you yeah. think that was part of your motivation for wanting to work on your own and be independent was to, to be able to kind of control whether whether and how you get to that goal? Oh, absolutely. For me, it's never been about the money. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that whatever money I'm supposed to make will come. If I'm good at what I do, and if I'm blessed and fortunate enough, the money that I'm supposed to make will come. Mm -hmm. So I've always done it for the experience and learning the craft. As I've gotten older, I've learned to look at my life more holistically. And work, you know, if you're doing 50, 60% of your time on something that is not completely fulfilling and, and gives you energy and pushes other things, you have to, I think any of us, we have mm -hmm. to, to reassess what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And I love being able to make my wife scrambled eggs in the morning or move my day around to play nine holes. You know, I'm an avid golfer, and if I can squeeze nine holes in or the occasional uh, 54 holes, I'm, I'm incredibly happy <laughs> oh about <my> it. <laughs> incredibly happy about 54 it. holes, that's like my nightmare. It's definitely um, skewing more towards nine holes than 54. But wow. I think for me, it just, just having that freedom, 
Yeah, so freedom, also, so experience, craft, those are some of the factors you consider. What were some of the other factors you considered before you said, look, I'm leaving this job and I'm going to be on my own now? Well, I mean, I would be lying to you if I didn't, you know, the the elephant in the room is always finances. Yeah, I mean, that's in there somewhere, right? Yeah, of course, of course. It might not be a motivator, but it's a factor. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think for me at the time, I was thinking, I don't want to let her down. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't want to let her down. I don't want to become a burden financially. And, you know, there's, you know, any entrepreneur will tell you when you start something and if it's you're not given the golden goose ticket right away, there may be some lean moments. At last December, I made two hundred and seventeen dollars. There you go. See, you understand. It was brutal. Yeah, you understand. Brutal. And I've, I've had some yeah. of those months <laughs> myself. And so I think, it, again, it goes back to the confidence, one, in, in why you're doing what you're doing mm-hmm. and seeing what the end game is. And also, again, having that mentor, spouse, significant other who's who's right there with you and encouraging you. So when you get that that $200 invoice paid and you're like, <laughs> okay, right? And, and and they will celebrate the highs and the lows with you. And, and I think that's just, it's a beautiful thing. So support was another factor. You oh. had the support you needed. I like that. And what about timing? So getting married in a couple months, you say right now is the time? Mm. <laughs> and now in looking back at it, I don't think it was as well planned as it could have been. <laughs> I've always, you know, to use the sports analogy, I've always been a call my plays at the line kind of guy. And I think there's just a point where when I looked at my life and I looked at the amount of energy that I was not able to put into other things in my life, I knew something had to give. So the balance was wrong. The balance was completely wrong. It was Mm -hmm. completely wrong. And so you really, you know, again, to go back to looking at the life holistically, at some point that balance was really out of whack for me. Mm-hmm. And it, it has still taken some time, you know, two and a half, three years to, to help for me to figure out what that balance looks like and, mm-hmm. and, and what's optimal for me, for Liz, and, and, and where we want our lives to be. Considering all those factors, it, did it seem like an obvious decision to you? No, you know, for me, it's never, I, I, I appreciate the flexibility mm-hmm. uh, that comes along with, with running my own shop. But for me, it was never like I needed my name in lights or I needed to own mm-hmm. something or, or be the ultimate boss. For me, it was just the freedom. Right. It was, I had no issues with the work. I had no issues with the people. It was just the freedom. Mm-hmm. And looking at, again, I was just living to work. Right. Right. And um, at some point, that it just had to give right yeah so i think in terms of you know again looking at it in hindsight it could have been planned better mm-hmm. um, i know some folks who you know they plot for months and years mm-hmm. right i put a i downloaded a, a business plan template i think i filled half of it out <laughs> <laughs> i made five phone calls to uh, again going back to that trusted network mm-hmm. and, and those folks helped me find my first uh, clients and it was able to just build from there. So you talked a minute ago about how you just sort of have a tendency or it's your personality to like make a game time decision or a, whatever you just said, some call, sports Call the plays at the line. Call the plays at the line yeah. kind of thing. So are there decisions that you've tried to plan or is this just kind of, that's the way you make your decisions? You, you take in all your input and your feedback from the world and you process it in your head and when you're ready to make a decision, it's time. So... <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a great question. I think for me, the more that I sit and try to plan, 
the more likely I'm not going to do anything. I think and think and think and then I analyze and then I think some more and then I strategize and then I plan and then I go back to thinking and then there's the ideation. So is this a way to get you out of that loop? Is this this like a tactic you've designed for yourself to force yourself to make a decision versus ending up in that kind of? 100%. I think for me, (laughs) if I force myself to act, Uh I have the confidence in my skill set in my kind of training and education that Mm -hmm. I will will make it work. Well, it sounds like there is a decision-making process happening in your head that's not systematized it's internalized and when you're ready you're ready yeah it's is or- that fair organized chaos so now you're past this how is this decision kind of feeling now that you're a couple years out so two parts of that one i wish i would have done it 10 years before prior and then on the back side when of you the- were in your 20s had no network no no uh emotional support from a wife when you uh <laughs> Well, I had a, so, I had, so you wish you'd done it sooner. I like that. I but wish it's, I it's done interesting. It I always wonder yeah. about those kinds of, uh, you know. Well, because again, I, I feel like I've always had the entrepreneurial bones, mm-hmm. and I feel that my work that I do now, I was doing back then. It's just now, not only do I have to find it and service it and keep it and retain it. In mm-hmm. that cycle, right. right? Before it was someone put a file on my desk and said, "Hey, Beverly, do this." Right now, it's you know, it, it's it's you more of that. And then on the on the backside of that, I think I've had that crisis moment mm-hmm. of you know who I am, right? What do I want to do? Who do I want to be? So I've had that. So I'm I've gotten that out of the way. Like right. I, I I've married my best friend. Right. I've run my own business, and now when I look at, again, the next 30 years of, of hopefully my working life, mm-hmm. what do I want to do with that? Yep. And so I've gotten all of the, I think those... That's a know, great feeling, though, right? It's a great feeling. It's a great I think, feeling. You, know, I call it, you call it a crisis moment. I call that my million-dollar moment, Okay. which is what would you do if you had a million dollars with your life? Like, meaning if, you, if money wasn't an object, it's, you know, it's a typical kind of party question or whatever if you want money one is an object what would you do that i call that my million dollar moment and um you know somehow that ends up being a podcast today yeah (laughs) i think um i think about my million dollar moment i think i know what it what it would be um and that's part of it Mm -hmm. right so for me i can go out and i can land a client at any moment that can really change the trajectory of my career and my earning income and and the potential there. If I'm sitting at a desk and someone is handing me work or telling me when I have to clock in or clock out, that ceiling is very limited. And I Mm -hmm. think for me, the the potential of what could happen Mm -hmm. is just, it's exhilarating. And I think that once... And addictive. I find oh, it totally addicting. So. Very Totally much so. addicting. What advice would you give someone who's sort of struggling with this decision and maybe hasn't kind of parsed out what they're going to do? So for any entrepreneur or just anyone who's unhappy in general, I always point to... Uh, there's a, a gentleman in New York. His name is Gary Vaynerchuk. And he is the... I mean, I don't even know how to really describe Gary. At kook. Gary is like talented nutcase talented wise 
charlatan sage. <laughs> I mean, just, but he's one of those folks that from a, a, you know, kind of a mentor inspiration standpoint, I always follow what, mm-hmm. what he does on, on social media because he's, he's really done some great things in a really short amount of time. And he's very much, he, he gives it away. Like he just gives wisdom away because he wants to see people do well. So I would say there are two things. So one, what I've learned from him is if you do it for free, do it for free because you get to work on your craft and you help someone else with, you know, doing what, what you know, what they want to do, accomplish their goals. And the second thing is, um, I think this was about six months ago, someone asked him the same bit of advice, like, hey, what keeps you motivated or, you know, mm-hmm. and he goes, you, like, we're all going to die, right? Like, that's the great equalizer, right? So no matter whether you're white, black, rich, poor, young, old, at some point, you're not going to be here. So if, if that's not the motivating factor, then I don't know what else could be. And I think for me, being able to have a business plan in my hands and say, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to become to provide value for my clients so that I can provide the type of living that I want for, for my family. And knowing that none of it is promised, it is intoxicating. So I would tell folks, don't wait, don't wait. And the value to others will pay off huge dividends uh, down the road. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing with us today, Toronto. Thank you for having me. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for Episode 3 of The Only Way Out is Through, a podcast about everyday decision-making. In the show notes, I'll share some resources for those of you considering starting your own business. You can find the notes and all our other episodes at lifeinmotionguide.com. Until next time, take care.